You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio. You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. Now clear your mind. It knows what scares you. It has from the very beginning. Don't give it any help. It knows too much already. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome, foolish mortals, to Horror Hotel, a PoppyChuloRadio.com and iTunes-exclusive PoppyChulo Radio pop culture on demand. I am your host and hotel owner, Jeffrey Aruz. We're so glad you could check in. We've been dying to have you. Here on Horror Hotel, we are going to explore some of Hollywood's scariest, most frightening, and creepiest films. Please welcome my co-hosts, Concierge, Supervisor, Legionnaire. Blood is life! Blood is life! Night Auditor, Mark Estes. Hello, hello, children of the night. (laughs) And Banquet Manager, Ramon Marquise. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) This is creepy. Alright, before we head on over to the ballroom, let's stop by the front desk where one of our bellhops has a few special announcements. Good evening. We thank you for your patronage. Please step all the way in, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. (laughs) I didn't mean to frighten you prematurely. The real chills come later. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash p c r horror hotel. Follow Pampichulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Pampichulo Radio. For more information on Horror Hotel, visit pampichuloradio.com slash horror hotel. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments? or concerns? Email us via contact at panpichuloradio.com. Help support Panpichulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash panpichuloradio. Are you interested in joining the Panpichulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at panpichuloradio.com. 
Binge listen to your favorite Panpichulo radio programs by visiting panpichuloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes, just search for Panpichulo Radio's Horror Hotel, and subscribe. Now, grab some popcorn and some snacks. You may step into the ballroom. It's time for your feature presentation. Thank you. It's time to fire up the film projector in our ballroom so that we can discuss 1922's Nosferatu. Here's the official synopsis of the film. Vampire Count Orlock expresses interest in a new residence and real estate agent Hutter's wife. As you will learn, we will usually start off Horror Hotel by finding out if uh, the rest of our team has ever seen this movie before. So uh, let's start off with you, Legionnaire. Had you ever seen Nosferatu before? I have not. All I right. have not seen it before. What about you, Mark? I saw the tail end of it. I always saw it like clips, but not the full movie. And I know that's a bad thing to say you love horror and stuff, but hey, it's first time for everything, and yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ramon? Nope, I never heard of it, never saw the movie, so I was quite intrigued to check it out. All right, and uh, I had never seen it either. Uh, much like uh, what sort of been mentioned, you know, I'd sort of seen clips all over the place uh, about it. I think any type of uh, documentary on like vampire films and that kind of stuff, like you usually see clips of Nosferatu, but I had never seen it, and uh, this was the first time, and it was something, and we will be discussing it right now. So, let's start off. So, this movie was released in 1922, and uh, it stars Max Schreck as Count Orlock um, slash Nosferatu. What did we think of Max Schreck as this character? Like, Because I'm going to say, I will give the movie props, because for it being 19... 22 they did a really good job with his makeup because he looked creepy as fuck yes absolutely (laughs) they definitely had the look down and i because i had you know the the when i first knew that we were viewing this i had seen bits and pieces of nasaratu the vampire which was of course made much much later with uh, Klaus Kinski, so it was really cool to see this movie. And like you said, but 1922, uh, they had look, they had to look down for for Max Schreck. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it was really interesting. And uh, our co-star, I, I guess, would be Thomas Hutter, played by Gustav von Wangenheim. Which, I'm not going to lie, like, based on the font of um, the text in the film for the for at least the beginning, I thought his name was Butter. But um, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Listen, I, thought was, uh, I thought it was Butter, too. I'm like, what kind of is a horror movie? Why is that his name? That's like, right? I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, I'm not... I'm not going to lie, I like paused it and I did uh, the wiki and I was like, oh, it's Hutter. 
not butter. <laughs> right. Thought it was a bee. Yeah. The Hutter was interesting. Like, well, for those out there that are listening to this and you've never seen it, this is a silent film. And uh, years later, they added in, like, music to it once the technology was available. So we saw the version that has music accompanying it. And, uh, I mean, it was it was interesting to see from a historical sort of, like, reference point. But I felt a lot of, like, the introductory stuff. And maybe it's because it was a silent film and they, they need to express themselves more when, um, you know, they're, they're acting. But I felt like we spent a lot of time with Hutter in the beginning. And it took forever to sort of get to the actual meat of the plot. Right. Yeah. I think I think for a while I was watching it and I you know like you said it built up the build up was very slow and I I really wanted to get kind of to the meat and potatoes of what's going on and what was in store um but it, yeah it did drag quite long and I thought some parts could have been done without but um yeah it, it it's I like how it all came together eventually in the end but um yeah it definitely progress a little slowly for me yeah for me as well I'm not a big silent film type person and I, I got chewed out on Twitter one year when that movie the one the Oscar I forgot the name it was the silent film the one Oscar recently and I was like I just can't get into it um, and so watching this and seeing the reactions from everybody like the whole Hutter like we went to the bar he's like bring me my food I'm going to Cal Orlock and everybody's like oh hell no you just got this but yeah, it kind of drug a little bit, but once you get to over that mountain and get to the castle, I'm like, okay, we're here. But even still, it's kind of like, it's just them two playing off of each other, and it's just like, okay, when is something going to happen? And, but, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Legionnaire? What did you think of the pacing? Um, I think that if there was more dialogue around what was going on with Hutter, I mean, uh, yeah, Hutter rather, um, those scenes wouldn't have seemed so, so extended, so long, but, but yeah, it was like, let's just kind of move on and get on with what's, what's happening. I mean, we kind of had an idea of what was coming, but, um, yeah, it just took a little while to get there. Yeah, the pacing was all over the place because, like, the beginning was very slow. Once we got the actual mm-hmm. castle, like, that was really interesting. But then mm-hmm. they took this entire, like, segue of, like, okay, where is Hutter? You know, what's going on with Hutter? And, and all the stuff on the ship that I felt dragged immensely. Mm-hmm. And then finally like like at the end there was like a bit more of a crescendo in which sort of like all of the um the the dominoes like fell into place or the you know the pieces of the puzzle fell into place and and that became interesting mm-hmm. again so like the pacing was odd it was split up into acts so i'm going to assume that they probably showed it like 
that way. So maybe they showed an act first, and then there was a mini intermission or something, and then another act. Mm. None of us were born in, um, or living in 1922, so we don't know how they showed this. But that's the only thing that I can assume. If they had it split up in mm. acts, that maybe there were breaks in between, and that sort of uh, made it... I don't know, like, made the, the viewing of it a little bit more palatable. Like, as a uh, sort of, like, a lump thing, it, it just, the pacing was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to add in also the fact that the title cards, those took forever, too, because I'm like, did they read slow back then? Because I'm like, I read this in, like, five <laughs> seconds, and y'all just yeah. I'm like, damn. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, Nosferatu, this film, is an unauthorized adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. So a lot of similar themes to Dracula are expressed in this film. Although, I mean, they have their own twist, because obviously none of the names are the same. There's no mention of Dracula. It's Count Orlok. It's Nosferatu. And and, uh, it has its own mythology that I guess was stolen from Bram Stoker. But um, this film does have a Renfield character played by Nock. Well, not played by Nock. The Renfield character is Nock. Yeah. What did we think of Nock? Because Nock was a fucking mess at the end. Bro, I was sitting there saying myself, when I showed him at the beginning of the movie, I saw his teeth. And I'm like, I know their teeth, their um, um, hygiene wasn't that good back then, but I'm like, how the hell did you already, I'm like, his teeth are just jacked. I'm thinking like, he has to already be enthralled by this dude, by by Orlock. So I'm like, yeah, he was strange from gate. And I was just trying to figure out like, how he even had a connection from far away, but that's that's really the hero them. Don't get ahead of myself. Yeah, my big thing about him was as soon as I saw him, like especially towards the end, I'm like, this fool is so extra. Like it was just, <laughs> he was just so like that's the first thing that came to my mind. Like what? This is this is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and I really felt, I guess parts where I guess he was supposed to be serious or. I guess dramatic or you know suspenseful and stuff. I'm laughing because he was just so extra to me. Like I couldn't even help but chuckle at some of the stuff he was doing. So yeah, he was a trip for me. Yeah, he looked he looked a little he looked crazy from jump. And, and you know, in in the in the other films, you see this you know this this descent of uh, of the Renfield type character, but this guy he looked. He looked out of his mind from from the first scene to me. Yeah. So two follow-up questions about Nock, which uh, was already kind of alluded to. Number one, how did the descent happen into madness? Mm -hmm. And number two, like, how were they communicating? Right, exactly. Another question, because I was like, yo, he is like, there was a story, there was something missing there, uh-huh. where it was like, because he was like, Nock was the one who set the whole thing in motion, like, yeah, this kind of all I do, wants you to go over there, and um, he was about his property, and how about the property right across the street from your house, you know, just like everything was like, set up already, it was just like, 
Do y'all know each other already? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Yeah. Like, sometimes in the movie, they, um... They took their time sort of explaining stuff, but they're, sometimes they just sort of bypassed all that and just, you know, advanced the plot immensely without really explaining why certain things are happening. Because I did like the inclusion of that book that was explaining, mm-hmm. like, what a vampire is and, and that mm-hmm. whole thing. I thought that was, like, really neat and a, a great um, sort of motif to, like, repeat a couple times in the movie i just wish that they would have explored maybe like shown a page that explained like oh you know and and he can also he also has this sway nosferatu can um control your mind or something like that right Mm -hmm. especially from afar i've never seen him or anything like that like he can pick one person and just has, he has a beacon or something like that. He can just reach out and those who are of the grotesque in the town or something, they can pick up on him or something. Something right. unique like that. Some kind of special right. power. Something had to exist, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you are Hutter. And you're excited because you're a real estate agent. And you're going to be selling this property. So you go and meet the potential buyer. At one point, do you notice something's off? (laughs) Is it when the townspeople react weirdly? Is it when they tell (laughs) you, we're not driving over there? We're not taking our horse and buggy over there? Listen, listen. Is it when you get there at... Is it when you get there at... We ain't going to the castle. We're going to leave you right here on the road. <laughs> Listen, and them people, when you tell me that you're not going to drive your little car or your little hearse and buggy over there, that's the problem for me. I'm going to take my ass over there. So for me, that's where them red flags are going to go off. Maybe I don't need to sell this property to this fool. I might need to sell it to somebody else because something in the milk ain't clean. <laughs> and my whole thing is the streets be talking. When they talk to me, I like to listen. <laughs> I hear that, but I think it'll be me. Like just like you said, I'd probably like, oh, what's going on? Who is kind of like, wow, no, no, tell me who I'm going. I'm going to this castle. Oh, I shouldn't go to the castle. <laughs> like, what's going on with the castle? But you know, they've been saying like people turn up this and up there, this and oh shit. Let me call so and so and so and so. You know, oh, back in the day, let me let me send a, um, a dove. To knock and be like, like oh, let I'm me send a dove. Because I'm not going up that damn castle. And then, the, if that didn't, if that didn't get you, when you get to the castle, and then the person who meets you just looks all the, the like crazy, trying to fuck around. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they just start that saying, you can walk over the damn bridge, you can walk your ass up that damn mountain, you can go up there your damn self, and the dude meets him up there like. Looking and just smoking, it's like fog all over the place. Like, nah, bro, I'm good. I just want to get this commission today. <laughs> right. Give it to somebody else. Let my curl take it. Exactly. That's funny. So, do you leave once your host attacks you when you cut your finger? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> 
That's not even the second thought. I got to get the fuck out of Dodge. Because <laughs> I'm not going to wait and see what else you finna do. No. I need to get up out of here. And did he attack him after he cut his finger? Like, he sat there, he rose back, and then he failed. And then the guy, the Gordon Orlock step kept coming towards him. I think I'd have went into, like, a fight-or-flight mode. Uh-huh. Roger from Night of the Demon just jump out the damn window and just, just pray that land. <laughs> land on a bush or something to break your fall. Exactly. Just you have to bite my black ass. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's too funny. So, one scene that really confused me, and I, I don't know if it confused either of you three, was the scene in which, okay, so, the deal has been made. Well, no, well, let me rewind a second. When um, Orlock was like, ooh, your wife, she's got a lovely neck. Bruh, I die when he said Because, like, that's even, like... I would guess for like 1922, like that's you'd be called like you're fresh. Like you don't say that to people. Right. You're being inappropriate. You're being inappropriate. So there was that. But okay, so he gets you know attacked in the middle of the night. And he survived that, but then he looks outside and he sees these coffins being placed on uh, a, um, I don't know what you would call that, like a horse and buggy minus the buggy. And uh, then he sees someone go into one of the coffins. Why did he, like, rip the sheets and uh, escape that way? Like, couldn't he have just walked out the door? <laughs> that is true. That is yeah. true. I asked myself that question. Oh yeah. That, why, is right. climb, why is he climbing out of the window? Can, did they? Show, I can't. I can't recall. But did they showcase him trying to like use the door or anything like that? Because obviously there's no lock on the door because it, he can lock. He can lock or lock out. So it's just like right. how to get the damn capsule. <laughs> you know. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought that was so weird. I was like, okay, why isn't he just, like, running out the door? I don't remember there being a lock on the door or him even trying to get out that way. I guess he panics. Mm. I guess, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, you panic, you don't make the right decisions. But that was just weird. It's like the first thing is, like, let me start ripping up some sheets. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. So... uh, we didn't see much of uh, his journey back, which I thought that was kind of weird. Because they made it seem as if like he was in peril, which, unfortunately, we didn't really see. And Because like, his wife, Ellen, was very worried. And she had sort of like spidey sense with him because she, she sensed something was wrong. And then she received the letter that we saw him write. And um, she got very worried when he mentioned the mosquito bites, which I don't know. Like, I don't know how people wrote letters in 1922, but like, hey, how are you doing? Like, I am having a lovely time. Don't worry about me. But you know what? I do have these weird mosquito bites on my neck, and they're very close together. Like, that was just odd to me. 
But I guess it speaks to the, the crowd, you know, that the, the people are just like involved with the fact that it's talking pictures. They probably want to put in like you no know, making sense of it all. <laughs> <laughs> well that is true oh, too. There, there was there was far more suspension of disbelief in the twenties. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. So let's talk about Ellen a little bit because we haven't really talked about Ellen. So we immediately start off the film, and she's instantly throwing shade at her husband because he saw her with the flowers, and so he was like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna get her some flowers." And then she's like, "Why did you kill them?" <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> <laughs> that threw me off. I like why yeah, when she said that I thought something else was gonna happen with the flower, not something like that. Yeah, that was weird. Ellen though did her research, which I, I liked. For it being nineteen twenty two, she was a woman that uh you know, took things into her own hands, which I thought was pretty impressive, especially since it was nineteen twenty two. <laughs> yeah, she and even though he told her like you yeah, don't read that book, and she was like, "No, I have to read this book because you yeah, can't read it." Yeah, I need to know what's going on. What do we think of Ellen as the? Um, she's sort of the heroine. She's also the damsel in distress. What do we think of Ellen as a character? Um, I like that she kind of, you know, stepped up <laughs> to read the book on her own and, and uh, you know, decided that she was going to set the trap. I thought that was interesting for, for, for a movie at that time. Yeah, I liked, I mean, actually, I noticed that she was always in black. I noticed that um, the other woman who was... Um, I think um, Hutter's um, friend's sister, or, or the ship in, owner's uh, wife, I think maybe. Yeah, she was always in white. But I noticed Something that like he that. was always in white and like light colors. I noticed um, Ellen was always in black, and I kind of picked it up as like this. Um, I don't know. It just it, it it stuck out to me for some reason. I can't put my finger on why. I just noticed that she was always in black. I don't care what mm-hmm. it was. And, I mean, you know, other damsels in distress. I would have like this virginal, virginal, I mean, virginal white on, or some type of light color and stuff like that. But she was like always in black. Like, what was me? I have a husband. I love him to death and everything like that. Though, but I'm having all these strange feelings and stuff like that. She was like the quintessential goth from 1922 or something. Like that. I don't know. That's mm. too funny. Wait, so you're saying all damsels in distress are from Virginia? No, my my. I'm just trying to say, I'm going to say first. Okay, there you go. Even in 1922, even in 1922 films, we need a scapegoat, and apparently the Black Plague has arrived, and there's all these deaths, and you know all these uh, 
prick marks on people's necks and all this kind of stuff. And so, of course, you're going to blame the man that uh, is allegedly crazy, Knock. Can we talk about Knock running through the town and getting hit in the head with a rock? <laughs> it was like okay, I was like this is like a comedic interlude. <laughs> right, exactly. It, it was, that might have been my favorite part. This fool running. <laughs> we already know he's cuckoo from being, you know, in the, the cuckoo place. Now you but want to run through the streets. Can we also talk about how the villagers were chasing Nock and they accidentally <laughs> mistook a scarecrow for Nock? Bruh, I was like, how did Nock get dead from this the scarecrow? Was like, just it moving. And this fool just sat there climbing uh, walls and roofs and he didn't jumped off of ledges and stuff. And y'all thought he was just little. I was like, oh, come on. Now. Right. Damn. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. That was too much. And so, uh, Ellen, after being reunited with Hutter, because Hutter ends up returning, and she ends up reading the book that Hutter had, that Hutter was like, no, you know, don't read it. She ends up figuring out, like, basically how to end uh, this dark plague that has arrived because of Nosferatu. And uh, a young maiden... Uh, basically needs to sacrifice herself so that Nosferatu's reign of terror can end. And uh, that's what ends up happening, because uh, Orlok Nosferatu uh, became sort of infatuated with Ellen from looking at her photo and her neck and all that kind of stuff. And so he creeps up the stairs, and uh, they had a lot of really great usage of shadows in that final scene like it was beautifully done like him going up the stairs like him opening the door and it made his um his claw like hands look even longer than they were and then once he entered her bedroom and it was like all in shadows and like you saw him um like it looked like the shadow was grabbing her heart mm-hmm. which i thought that was neat also, if you want to take it in a sexual way, he was grabbing her bosom. But um, that's a whole other conversation for a whole different show, possibly. <laughs> and then, you know, he feeds on her. But I, I guess because she's, you know, a, a young maiden, uh, you know, he, he loses track of time. And all of a sudden you see a rooster crowing. And it is now daytime, and uh, Nosferatu, being a vampire, um, instantly sort of disintegrates into a puff of smoke as the sun's rays hit him. Oof. Yeah. And then, and then Ellen, in her last breath, yells, Hutter! And um, she dies. <laughs> <laughs> We've been chuckling at her die. <laughs> because we're like, oh, that's it? <laughs> that's too funny. So, what do we think of, like, the ending, the climax of the film? It was okay. I mean, oh. for the time, it was like a nice little, you know, it just ended. But I'm sorry, go ahead, Lisa. No, I'm going to say, it, it felt like it just kind of. It, it wrapped up and, and stopped. But uh, 
But yeah, I mean, it was kind of, uh, yeah, it was kind of abrupt. It felt abrupt to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was one part that they probably could have dragged out a little more, just the whole ending. Um, and I think that would have made it a little better because they definitely were like, wait a minute, that's it, we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with all of your points. What do we think of the sets? Because we discussed, uh, in particular, sort of like the the makeup and the, uh, I guess, prosthetics that were used for Orlock. What do we think of the actual sets, the locations that they shot, and and uh, even the usage of animals in uh, the um, the film? I loved um, I, I, I love gothic structure, so I was a big fan of that. And I even when they went from where I forget what they said Orlock was from back to the London or. Wherever they came, they were in the, the German city of Wiesborg. Wiesborg. Mm-hmm. Um, when they came back to there, just like it was very, the Gothic structure just did something to me. It, it, it mm-hmm. brought me to the movie. It brought me to the movie. I, you know, felt like I wasn't just like you know Victorian Gothic romance novel or something like that, but just just ugly things chasing these women down or whatnot. But I like that. I was going to say that I did get, get confused by the, the lighting, because I couldn't tell when it was supposed to be light and when it was supposed to be dark. I kind of got certain cues, but at the same time I was kind of like, okay, is it daytime now or is it dark? You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. the color cues were, were interesting. Uh, but just uh, to, to fill in uh, where Orlock was, he was in the Carpathian Mountains. As far as like the color cues, I think any of the brighter colors for the most part it was like daylight or dusk or early morning the darker colors meant nighttime although sometimes sometimes they would use like the orangey color i guess to mean maybe candlelight as well mm, that makes sense. the color cues were interesting definitely if I read correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, um, I thought this was like the first attempt in a movie featuring vampires, probably. And I thought that it was a great way to set up. I kind of you know, was amazed that people, as of 2000, as of this year, they listed as the number three most horrific movie of all time. Um, mm. Even to this day. I mean, I can, I can see why. You know what I'm saying? You have, sometimes you have to take yourself out of your modern no mentality and just place uh-huh. yourself in the past. Like I had to do that when I watched mm-hmm. like the original House on Honey Hill and the original Night of the Living Dead and those type of movies and see, you know, those audiences were just really like blown away by this stuff. So just imagine the fact that this is a talking picture in nineteen twenty not talking picture, but like a moving picture in nineteen twenty two with this creature that feeds on, you know, human blood. And it just it is it's enough to like for that time period to just completely just screw with your whole sense of reality and whatnot, you know, so I give it that. You know, I give it, I respect it for what it did and what it still continues to do to this day. Absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. An interesting fact, uh, because this was an unauthorized adaptation of Dracula, Stoker's heirs actually sued over 
this film, and a court ruling ordered that all of the copies of the film be destroyed. However, a few prints of Nosferatu survived, and that's how we got the chance to see it, and that's how you know many others have had the chance to see it uh, nearly 100 years later. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Them, them stokers were not having it. They're like, burn this shit. <laughs> I know, right? For <laughs> real. Mm. Since this is the horror hotel, I, I am curious to ask, uh, would you classify this as horror? Almost definitely. Yeah, I mean, I would. Um... <laughs> I, I, I guess a little bit. Um... I, mm, I don't know. I just, the, the whole... I guess for that time period, it was probably extremely scary and suspenseful. Um, I guess for me, um, and I think someone made the comment earlier, kind of get ourselves out of the modern, the modern mentality. Um, I definitely think there was a lot of components um, that definitely could be viewed as, um, you know, as, as, as scary or, or horror. Um, I, I think it has a lot of potential. Me personally, I think that organ in the background kept throwing me off. Um, I think the background music for me there was a disconnect, but I I, I could see why people would consider it horror. Mm. Okay, yeah, I don't think like by today's standard it would be considered even scary, but I can one hundred percent see how in nineteen twenty two much like what Mark stated for someone who had never seen a motion picture to see this and see that creature count Orlock Nosferatu for the first time like I could see that people would uh, be scared you know you you've never seen something like this you know you might have read uh, scary books and you know gothic horror and all that kind of stuff but you know you're just sort of like using your imagination to actually see something moving in a film in front of you like i could see that being scary to people yeah i think yeah and this part was very taboo for that time especially if i'm not mistaken the film comes for german is a german um, um, horror. It started as a German horror film. Yes, some um, it was very taboo at that time to have such a character. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So okay. So from Weisborg, Transylvania, and back. So let's get into it, everybody. Uh, I actually looked up to see if uh, the film had uh, received any awards. And it doesn't have any awards listed. But as of 2017, it is Rotten Tomatoes' third best reviewed horror film of all time. And checking the Rotten Tomatoes uh, fresh meter, it is 97% fresh. We will hand out some of our own awards. And uh, let's start off with the creepiest moment. We just throw it out there? Yes, just throw it out there. Like, I would say the creepiest moment for me would be, like, him um, 
climbing up the stairs and seeing his shadow at like towards the end. I thought that was very effective. Yeah, that would be mine too, Jeff. Uh, I w- I want to tie mine up with when Hutter was in the castle and he realized that Orlock was coming towards him and he closed the door and tried to find the lock and realized there was no lock to the door. And then the door all of a sudden shot open. It was like, oh, shit. That kind of creeped me out right there, too, because what door does that have a lock? <laughs> so it was just like, Jesus. So he's probably the highest mountain or highest part of the castle. The castle, so he couldn't come out. So the, him coming up the stairs and him coming towards or, um, Hunter would be probably my two scariest moments in the whole time. Yeah, that moment, you know, sits up out of the coffin and it just kind of like rises straight up. That always kind of mm-hmm. gives me, that always kind of gives me a chill, even even knowing how, you know, I that hokey, it still creeps me out every time I see it. I think one thing that said to me was Orlock vanishing into a puff of smoke. That, for me, that moment did something. I like that one. All good choices. What was the kill of the night? Kill. I would say Ellen. It was tragic because she sat there, finally got her husband back, and she was like, "But he, this damn thing that came is killing my, you know, neighborhood. So I have to just sacrifice myself." So that was the kill for music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about to say Ellen. I mean, just just in, in the tragedy of it, or in anything else. Yeah. I the one man who tried to prevent, the one her, you know, her husband tried to prevent her from even going down that road. And at the end of the day, her last breath was with regards to him. So I thought that was kind of a sad moment. Mm-hmm. What was the best usage of a cheesy special effect? Mm-hmm. To that fool getting hit in the head with a rock. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, that for me was the moment that made me gag, but, um... Oh, that threw me off. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) What threw me off was when the man was on the raft with all the coffins. I'm like, what? (laughs) Right. That was weird. What was the... And then Hutter breaking back on horseback while sailing sailing across the ocean. Right. Yeah. Oh, Hutter. What was the That's So Retro moment? Oh, I don't know. I mean, the whole, the whole film. To the me, whole movie. The whole retro throwback. <laughs> Especially when he got to the um, bar and was like, I'm going to go see, you know, um, Count Orlock. And it was just like, this scene has been done so many times in so many ways, like from, you know... Even they, they even kind of redid it in uh, American World in London. You think about it, you know, they're like, we're going up and they're like, uh, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, it's right. like it's a constant, you no know, thing that you see in like those horror movies with an American. Even Friday 13th did it when um, the first counselor was like, I'm going to Camp Crystal Lake and everybody just stopped like, how do you want to go up there? You know, right. so yeah, I think that's pretty retro. <laughs> Definitely the coffins. I mean, a lot of the horror movies back in that day incorporate a coffin somehow 
So just the fact of seeing those coffins, I think that was pretty, quite worth as well. That's very true. Who was the diva? Count Orlock. <laughs> oh, yeah, if it had to be yeah. anyone, I would put a count. Yeah. And Ellen would be the ingenue. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I guess the sexiest moment would be when he was like, she's got a lovely neck. Yeah, but it was, I would, yeah, but it's just like, I screamed when he said it. I, I mean, I was like, I, I just, because the look of his face was just like, he looked so perverted. It was like, wow. <laughs> you know, like, right, like, oh my God. I, I mean, I want to, not like I want to kiss her, like I want to go lick her neck. Right. <laughs> with, the whole, with the whole vibe that he gave off. Very kinky. Yeah, and that scene where Hutter woke up and he was washing his face and I thought he was going to get naked. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, it was just so weird and random. Like, he was, like, taking his clothes off and then, like, we fade to black. And I'm like, this is 1922. We're not supposed to be seeing this stuff. Although this is before the Hayes Code, the morality code. So, you know, anything could happen. Very true. All right, so now it's time to rank the film in some special horror hotel categories. I have five categories that you can use to classify the film. The first category is Screamer, and it's for scare-filled films the next one is gut buster which are for films that uh are very gross then there's eye popper which are for films that are visually impressive then there's grave digger which are for films that lack any scares and uh, the final category that you can use is mind blower for overall best in show and uh, you can mix and match. You don't have to select just one category. Some films uh, might actually have all of the categories. Well, maybe not all because one is scare less and one is scare filled. But uh, you know what I'm saying. So you can pick and choose. Uh, we will start off with. Uh, well, actually, I will go first so I can give you all a chance to uh, sort of think about it. And I'm going to give this film an eye popper because I was I thought uh, Orlock was visually impressive I I was uh, really digging the um, artistic choice that they did with him and and, uh, you know just the makeup and prosthetics that they put on him to make him look vampire-ish and uh, I would probably have to give this one a gravedigger because Personally, I did not find the film scary. Uh, there wasn't even a good jump scare. So, uh, But uh, there was a sort of sense of foreboding, which I did like. And uh, I can definitely see and understand why people thought it was scary back in the day. It just um, it didn't move me in a scary kind of way. So, uh, Legionnaire, you're up next. Yeah, I... I think if I had to 
pick one of those I would have to go with that as well I like the look of the movie very much for its time I like the makeup they did with um, with the count um, but it didn't it did yeah it didn't provide me with any scares or any uh, it wasn't even really particularly suspenseful for me but but again I definitely appreciate it for what it I appreciate it for what it contributed you know for the time so, uh, so yeah, that's what I got. All right, another eye popper and uh, grave digger. What about you, Mark? I'm gonna give it an eye popper and a grave digger as well. Um, like I said, I'm a big um, geek. I'm gonna say geek, but I just fall for gothic structures and um, the makeup of Orlock was. It just it stands the test of time. I mean, rock and like um, death rock music and stuff like that uses um, Orlock and Nosferatu and Eclipse all the time. It's just like, it's still, if you put the right music behind it, it can be very creepy and very scary. And if you see it unintentionally, like, you know, just so like, you know, just be flipping the TV, like when Legionnaire said when he came out the coffin, like you just sit there in the middle of the night and it's like, Spooky, and this, that's you see some shit like that come on the screen. You probably jump a little bit, not too much, but just a little bit, depending on the music and the mood and all this shit. But other than that, I am giving it an eye popper for that. But Grave Digger, because I was sitting there just like, you know, okay, no, that was cute, you know, it was cute, <laughs> you know, and that was that's pretty much it. So. Ramon, um, I love the scenery. That was actually my favorite aspect of the movie, just how I felt like it was a good representation of not just that era, but also the the story that this movie was going to tell. Um, there were definitely some aspects of it where I found myself laughing or chuckling more than getting any kind of suspenseful or horror type vibe from it. Um, for me personally, I would definitely give it a grave digger. Just simply off of those facts but I do think that for that time um, and, and, and that it was kind of ahead of its time and certain things that it brought to the movie was taboo um, to be something that like we said before is from German then you have the vampire um, I think that the clothing the wardrobe I really like that I feel like that was a good representation um, so just the fact that from a horror standpoint, do anything for me, that's why I would give it a great digger. But I feel like it had a lot of lot of potential and a lot of good moments. Alright, so four grave diggers and three eye poppers. So we're kind of on the same wavelength, which is awesome, especially for the first episode of the Horror Hotel. But listeners, we won't always be agreeing. So enjoy this kumbaya moment. All right, my peoples, it's time to rate the film uh, on the scale of 1 to 10. 1 to 10 hotel room keys. The point system is allowed. So, of course, uh, 10 being the highest uh, and uh, 1 or 0 or negative, if you want to go in that direction, being the lowest. <laughs> uh, Legionnaire, how many hotel room keys will you give Nosferatu? Um, from a place of loving nostalgia, I'm going to give this six room keys. Okay. We got a six. 
Mark, what about you? How many hotel room keys will you give Nosferatu? I'm going to just give it out of respect to the horror genre as a whole. I'm going to give it eight. Oh. Because I feel like, again, I've seen these images so many times and so many different avenues and just like they stuck with me. And since I was also a vampire lover, it's just like he's the granddaddy of all vampires. You tend to go back to Dracula though, but you know, you know your history, you know the Nosferatu came first. So it's just um, like Legionnaire said, it's a nostalgia type thing for me and I have to give it an eight. Eight eight uh, room keys. Alright, so six eight Ramon, what about you? How many hotel room keys will you give Nosferatu? Uno dos trace. I'm gonna give it three room keys. Oh well. Wow. Uh, yeah. We got the Russian just- judge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just yeah, just pretty much off of everything I said earlier. I would definitely give it a three three room keys. Is is there a reason why it's so low? Just because of the the lack of scares and that kind of stuff for you? You know, just for me personally, it was the lack of scares. Um, I think for it example, was not getting the- hit on the head with the rock. <laughs> well, you know, that was my favorite part. You know, that fool, you know, that fool can hit with the red rock. Everybody tell him they have to go run. But, um, I think with some of the transition between the scenes, it kind of threw me off. I'm like, wait, what's going on? And then how long it was drawn out. So, in spite of the scenery, in spite of other, other moments for me, yeah, it, I think I just have too many disconnects. So that's why I give it a three. Okay. So, uh, six, eights, and three room keys. I'm going to go sort of down the middle-ish, uh, not including Ramon's outlier, but um, outlier. <laughs> I'm going to give it a seven. And most of it is for basically the uh, legacy that this movie has. Honestly, this movie dragged and it it was it felt longer than it was and the pacing was all over the place there were some really great segments though like especially in orlock's castle and once he got to the village like all that was really really interesting and um the ending, especially leading up to it with the usage of the shadows and uh, just Nosferatu's and entire visual interpretation was really interesting as well. So, um, yeah, so, but I mean, I can't give it for me at least any higher than a seven just because the negatives drag it down immensely, but I completely understand why I feel that they're negatives because. I am in the year 2017, and uh, we have movies that talk, that are a little bit more fast-paced, we have Technicolor, um, and all that kind of stuff, and and high definition, so uh, unfortunately, um, you can tell the age of this film, but I have to give it lots of kudos and props for being... uh, one of the very first, uh, if not the first, horror films ever released. So, uh, props to that. So, uh, on that note, 
Please drag your bodies away from the ballroom and prepare to check out. Join us next time for a brand new installment of Horror Hotel. Once again, here's one of our bellhops with a few special announcements. Good evening. We thank you for your patronage. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash p c r horror hotel. Follow Panpichulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Panpichulo Radio. For more information on Horror Hotel, visit panpichuloradio.com slash horror hotel. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at panpichuloradio.com. Help support Panpichulo Radio financially by visiting Go. Fund me.com slash Panpichulo Radio. Are you interested in joining the Panpichulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at panpichuloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Panpichulo Radio programs by visiting panpichuloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Panpichulo Radio's Horror Hotel and subscribe. We hope you've brought your death certificate. Make final arrangements now. <laughs> Thank you. My fellow Horror Hotel team, please wish our hotel guests and the listeners a good night. Good night. Good night, listeners. Beware that a shadow doth not burden your dreams with horrible fears. Good night, everyone. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. You may have checked into the Horror Hotel, but who says you're allowed to check out? Good night. <laughs>